Welcome to the Husband Material Podcast, where we help Christian men outgrow porn. Why? So you can change your brain, heal your heart, and save your relationship. My name is Drew Boa, and I'm here to show you how. Let's go. Today, we are talking about nine tips about triggers. Some of you may have heard my other episodes on triggers like the floss method or three steps to self-control, and this might feel like a lot of repetition for you. I promise you there will be new insights, things that I've never shared before that will take you even deeper. So whether you have never understood what is a trigger or you've done a lot of work in this area, this episode will give you everything you need to know about what a trigger is, first of all, secondly, how triggers work, and thirdly, how you can take back control of your brain and your body when you are triggered. So tips one through three today, we'll be talking about what is a trigger. And let's start with a definition. Tip number one, a trigger is any event that creates an automatic physical reaction. So when I turn on the light switch in my house, that triggers the light to turn on. It's an automatic reaction unless the electricity is broken. Or when I turn on my car, I push that trigger, car turns on. Same principle psychologically, same principle with our brains. Things happen to us emotionally, sexually, physically, biologically throughout the day that create automatic reactions. We cannot control what triggers us. What we can control is what we do in response to our triggers. So first of all, hear this message. If you get triggered a lot, if you struggle with triggers like every day, yes, there are some things you can do to avoid them and maybe to set yourself up for success by changing your environment or your lifestyle or your relationships. But in the end, we are all going to face triggers. We are all going to feel triggered. And that's okay. That's normal. That's valid. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. In fact, it probably means there's something right with you. If that light switch is turning on, that means that your body is working. It's trying to tell you something. So your triggers are not bad. In fact, they're sending you important messages. And in this episode, I'm going to help you understand what those messages are. You might feel like I'm triggered all the time. Okay, maybe there's a really important message that you need to hear that your body is trying to tell you that your brain is saying, hey, alert, alert. And that's totally okay. So first of all, triggers are automatic. We can't control them. And even if we set ourselves up in the perfect paradise of a life, we're still going to experience the sensation of being triggered. Tip number two is that there are two types of triggers, pain triggers and pleasure triggers. Now, let's be clear here. There are things in life that cause everyone pain, things that are uncomfortable. But for some of us, certain types of pain are particularly painful. And there are things in life that cause pleasure, like a delicious cheeseburger <laughs> or a piece of pizza or ice cream, things that cause pleasure, and that's totally normal. There are some types of pleasure which are particularly pleasurable. So you might think, I get triggered by beautiful women. Well, 
there are probably certain types, specific types of women that offer you a particularly pleasurable kind of pleasure, or you're triggered by men. There are probably particular types of men. If you're triggered sexually by children or by older women or older men, see, there are very specific types of triggers that we need to talk about. And some of them are turned on by pain. Actually, I should say turned off. We get really turned off by certain things. And some of them are turned on by pleasure. And we actually talk about that, you know, being turned on. That's a a trigger. That's a pleasure trigger switching on. So in order to discover your pain triggers, ask yourself this question. What feels intolerable to me? So for example, texting someone, messaging someone, and they don't text you back. They don't message you back. For most people, that is an uncomfortable experience. That is a painful experience. For some of us, it is intolerable. We will not rest until we have resolution because it feels unsafe. It feels like the end of the world. It feels like, could this be the end of the relationship? Did I do something wrong to make them mad? Are they avoiding me? Are they frustrated with me? Did something happen to them? When that happens, you know it's more than just pain. It's intolerable. It's a trigger. It's producing that automatic physical reaction in your body, in your brain. On the other hand, here's how you discover your pleasure triggers. You ask yourself, to me, what feels irresistible in terms of pleasure? When you see that one thing, maybe it's a certain body part. Maybe it's a certain personality trait that someone has. Maybe it's a certain way that you feel around someone and it is just irresistible. Pay attention to that. Because, for example, a beautiful smile, that's an attractive quality. That's something that we can all find pleasure in. And yet for some of us, it is irresistible. And there's a reason for that. It's producing a physical pull a reaction in your body. So ask yourself those two questions. To me, what feels intolerable and what feels irresistible? And here's the most fascinating thing. Both pain triggers and pleasure triggers are forms of arousal. In other words, they produce the exact same physical symptoms. When you see someone or something that is irresistible or you're experiencing something that is intolerable, what happens in your body? Your breathing changes quickens. Your heart starts racing. It starts beating faster. Your pupils dilate. There is a physical state which is activated by the trigger. And the craziest thing about arousal is it's the same for pain as it is for pleasure. And so some of us might be thinking, why do I get aroused by something that brings me pain. They're very connected. They're very connected in the brain. And there is so much more that we could say about arousal. For here, for now, let's just say that our pain triggers and our pleasure triggers are very connected. That's tip number two. There are two types of triggers. And as we go through these nine tips, I want you to choose one trigger. Maybe it's a pain trigger. Maybe it's a pleasure trigger. And keep it in the back of your mind this whole time. And as we go through these nine tips, 
it will become more and more clear what this trigger is, how it works, and how you can take back control when this thing triggers you, okay? So think to yourself, what is intolerable to me? That's a pain trigger. What is irresistible to me? And that's a pleasure trigger. Tip number three, there are at least five different types of automatic reactions that we have when we get triggered. In the past, I've only thought there were three, but there are actually five and they're very important. For now, I just want you to notice for that trigger that you chose, which one does it activate? Which one is being activated? And the five are fight, flight, freeze, fawn, which is also called please or appease in order to get in the person's good book or flop, which is the shutdown collapse response. In fight, we power up and we get angry and we try to fix the other person or fix the situation or assert control. In flight, we also power up, except it's more of an anxious response. And I'm trying to figure out, okay, how can I get out of this? How can I run away? How can I avoid this situation? They're both responses to a situation that doesn't feel safe to a perceived threat, just with opposite actions. Another one is freeze. And I used to think freeze and shut down were the same thing, but they're actually not. In freeze, my body is powering up. I'm feeling all the feels. The situation is really affecting me, but I'm immobilized. I'm not running away. I'm also not trying to take control. I'm just freezing. I'm just staying still and hoping that the storm will pass. But on the inside, I'm just as anxious. I'm just as agitated as if I was in fight or flight. Fawn is an, is an interesting one. I think it's connected to flight because instead of feeling unsafe and running away, it's feeling safe and running toward the other person, not to try to control them, but to try to get in their good book. If I can get on this person's good side, then I'll be okay. So in fawn, I'm trying to please, I'm trying to appease, I'm trying to stop their wrath, or I'm trying to be their friend, not out of feeling safe and social, but out of fear, out of feeling triggered. So that's a trigger that some of you might not be aware of. That's also a mobilized response, whereas freeze is immobilized. And all of those are examples of hyper arousal. <laughs> All of those are examples of our body powering up in response to a perceived threat. And notice how I say perceived threat. The threat might not even be real, but we perceive that there is a threat. For example, if you get a phone call from your boss or a phone call from your mother, you might automatically go into fight or flight or fawn or freeze. And in that moment, even if the phone call was about something totally trivial, like, hey, just call in to see how you're doing. For you, there was a physical state that was activated and there was a story behind it. And it really affected you. Even if the threat wasn't real, it was perceived. And so you experienced it the same way. That's what I mean by perceived threat. And then the last one, the last automatic reaction is the one that we go to when all that other stuff doesn't work. When we go into fight and it doesn't work and the situation is just as bad. 
when we go into flight, but we can't get away. We can't escape. When we go into freeze and the storm doesn't pass and we're still stuck in it. When we go into fawn, but we can't seem to get the other person to come back into tune with us. When none of that stuff works, then we give up and we flop. This is the state called collapse or shutdown, also known as hypoarousal. And when our strategies for mobilization in response to a trigger don't work or immobilization with freeze, we shut down. Our bodies are physically like an animal that's playing dead. We numb out, we check out, we zone out. And the reason why we do this is because if I can't change anything and I'm going to have to suffer, at least I can ease the pain a little bit. At least I can take the edge off of it. And that's where porn comes in. When we go into that shutdown collapse mode, we give up, I'm exhausted, I can't do this anymore. That is the moment when porn is most appealing and it becomes our pacifier. So do you see how these automatic reactions show up in your life? They show up in my life all the time too. And the question is not, will I get triggered? It's how will I respond when I get triggered? And specifically, if you can catch these triggers when you're mobilizing, when you're in fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, if you can catch it there before you get to flop or shut down, then that's really strategic. But even when you get into flop and shut down and collapse, you can still come back. You can always come back. The point right now is that I want you to think of what happens for you when that pain trigger hits or that pleasure trigger hits. What's your automatic reaction? One of those five options, fight, flight, freeze, fawn, or flop. Now you know what a trigger is. These first three tips showed you what is a trigger. Now you know it's an automatic reaction, that there are pain triggers and pleasure triggers, and that these triggers produce physical states within us, especially in response to a perceived threat of fight, flight, Fawn, freeze, and flop. Now that you know all this, let's go a little bit deeper and ask, how do triggers work? So tip number four is that every trigger tells a story. If you've heard me say that before, I'm glad. I want to repeat that until it becomes part of you, until you internalize that. Write it down. Repeat it to yourself. Tell it to your friends that every trigger tells a story. These reactions that we might think are overreactions or underreactions, in the end, I don't believe there's any such thing as an overreaction or an underreaction, only reasonable reactions if we knew the story behind them. Because there's always a reason. There's always a story behind every time that we get triggered, especially when it's disproportionate, especially when there is no threat. And I know that intellectually, but my body, my body keeps the score as Bessel van der Kolk has said. My body is responding to this situation in a way that is out of control. That's when you know something is coming up for you. That's when you know a story is coming up. And oftentimes, there are 
lies. There are messages associated with those physical states. So when I'm in fight or flight, I might believe that I am not safe. I might believe that the world is dangerous. If I'm in flop or shutdown, I might believe that I am gone. I'm out of here. The world is over. There's no hope. So I'm I'm giving up. I'm zoning out. I'm checking out. And here's the thing. Even if it's not true in the moment, there probably was a time when it was true. And when we get triggered, here's tip number five. A trigger is like a time machine that takes us back in time so that I feel like I'm back there in a place when, you know what? I wasn't safe or in a place when, you know what? The world was over. My world ended that day. That's what happens when we get triggered. It's like a time machine that turns back the clock and I feel like I'm five years old again. Or I feel like I'm 10 years old again. Or the really deep triggers, I feel like I'm three years old again. There could even be this sense of trigger inception where I'm feeling threatened by my friend confronting me about something, which takes me back to when I was 18 years old and my dad was confronting me about my decision for what I was going to do after high school. But then that 18 years old experience could even be triggering from when you were eight years old and telling your dad that you wanted to play a certain sport or wanted to do a certain activity and he thought you should do something else. So there are triggers within triggers. That's what I call trigger inception. And if you want to discover the story behind a specific trigger, all you have to do is ask, when have I felt this way before? If you're working with somebody who's very triggered to act out, you're talking to one of your allies, you can ask them this question. Hmm, when have you felt this way before? When have you felt this kind of pain? And it might not be physical pain. It might be the pain of coming home from school or work and being all alone. As an adult, That you might not think of that as pain, but it could be taking you back to a time when you were 11 years old and every day you'd come home from school and there was nobody there and you were all alone. And maybe that's when porn came into your life. Do you see how these stories keep showing up? The past is never past. It's never even past. It's it's always informing and contributing to the present. And in some ways, our triggers can actually be gifts to us. They're saying, hey, doesn't this remind you of something from long ago? And that could even be in terms of pleasure triggers. If you are attracted to a particular type of person physically, let's say it's a woman, who does she remind you of? Who else has had these physical characteristics? Or a man with physical certain physical characteristics? Does it remind you of your mom? Does it remind you of your dad? Get curious and begin asking, okay, when have I seen this kind of thing before? When have I felt this way before? Or if you're talking about a a really, really strong pleasure trigger, let's say it makes you feel accepted or it makes you feel powerful. Well, when have you felt the opposite? Because whatever brings you the most pleasure is probably the opposite of whatever brought you the most pain. 
Remember, a trigger is a time machine. And if you want to get out of the time machine, then you have to learn, well, where is it taking me back to? First, you got to do this digging and, and discover what is the story. And then we can begin to write a new story. Here's what it comes down to, guys. Tip number six, triggers carry trauma. And if you think to yourself, I don't have trauma. Yeah, some things were difficult in my childhood, but I never had trauma. Do you have triggers? <laughs> because if you do, maybe it looks different than somebody else's trauma. Your triggers are telling a story. And that story is valid. Your body does not lie. As Besser van der Kolk says, the body keeps the score. So if you experience a lot of triggers that are overwhelming, that are out of control, usually, almost always, there's some kind of abuse or abandonment or enmeshment or neglect that you need to deal with, my friend. In fact, that you have the gift of being able to heal those things. And when you can get down to the root and heal those things, my goodness, it's amazing. Because then, once you understand the story of where you've been, that shows you where to go next, what to do next. And if your triggers really do feel out of control and overwhelming, probably the best thing you can do is to get professional help, especially with someone who is trained to work with trauma because triggers reveal trauma. So guys, that's how triggers work. Tips number seven through nine will show you how to take back control when you are triggered. And this is a technique which I teach in Husband Material Academy and I'm making it available to all of you because I want this to become a much more widely used technique. And it's named after me. It is the BOA technique. Okay, so tip number seven is B, tip number eight is O, and tip number nine is A. What does BOA stand for? How can you take back control when you are triggered? Tip number seven, the first letter of BOA is breathe. I invite you to just breathe right now, just breathe. Take a few deep belly breaths. And notice the physical effect it has on your state. If you were feeling triggered by some of the things I was saying earlier, notice how you're feeling now. If you've had some stories that are coming up for you in this episode, keep breathing. I feel a difference right now, even just by doing that. Because breathing is like plugging your brain back in, specifically the prefrontal cortex, the part in charge of impulse control and moral decision-making. It's literally flooding your brain with oxygen. And the effect this has is twofold. When we are hyper-aroused, in fight, flight, freeze, fawn. It helps us calm down because when we are in that mobilized response, we're feeling all the feels. 
but we can't think. And breathing helps us calm down when you are triggered. Ah, breathe. Just breathe. Take a few deep belly breaths and allow it to calm you down. It has another effect though. It allows you to calm down without shutting down. And when you are in that collapsed shutdown response, which is always the front door to using porn, at least almost always, at least it is for me. When you are in that place, breathing will wake you up. When you're sleepwalking through life and you're not fully present, when you're off in a little world in your head or in some kind of sexual fantasy, breathing will wake you up. It has this double effect of calming us down and waking us up. And that is the beauty of breathing. And I think there's a spiritual significance here because the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit as the pneuma, the breath the breath of God. If you want to experience the fruit of the spirit, which is love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, especially self-control, breathe, breathe, my friend, breathe in the breath of God and let the Holy Spirit fill you up. And not only that, breathing creates a little window, a little window. And we have to be really clear about this because breathing is not like an all-in-one solution. It's not like, oh, you breathe and you're good. It creates a little bubble, a little bubble for you to make a decision on purpose, for you to make a decision that you're proud of, for you to take a moment and do the thing that you know you need to do. That's what breathing will allow you to do. It will allow you to have a little bit of a buffer a little bit of space when you're not being controlled by that physical fear instinct. You have the ability to calm down and wake up. It's regulating. It's regulating your body. When you can do that, you can move on to the next step. Tip number eight, the O in BOA is observe observe. This is so crucially important because when you get triggered and you feel like it's the year 1992 again, or I'm back in the year 1978, or I'm back in the year 2006, when that time of life forced me into a fight, flight, or freeze response, and there was nothing I could do about it, and that was my only way to get through it. In order to show yourself and to demonstrate to yourself that it is now the year 2021, what happened is over. It's gone. It's in the past now. Look where you are. Look where God has brought you, my friend. Look around. Observe. Observe the present moment. Become mindful. Become aware. Literally, just use your five senses. Look around and notice. Notice what you see. Listen and notice what you hear. Right now, I hear the birds chirping. Right now, I see my webcam that I'm recording into. Those are just two of the senses. Use all five. Touch. What do I feel? I feel my pants on my lower body. 
touching the chair below them. I feel my feet in my socks. I know that I'm 28 years old. It's the year 2021, and this is where I am now. There is no need to go back to fear because I'm safe in this moment. There might be times when fight, flight, or freeze are necessary in some kind of emergency. Most of the time when we get triggered, we're actually safe. And by simply observing what you see, what you hear, what you touch, maybe even what you smell, maybe even taste, just savoring the present moment will bring you back to the present instead of being stuck in the past. BOA, breathe and observe. And before we get to A, I want to mention that even Jesus recommended this kind of practice when he talked about anxiety in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, do not be anxious about anything. He said, what should you do when you're anxious? He said, look at the birds of the air and learn from them. He said, look at the flowers of the field and learn from them. Observe, notice, become aware, become mindful. This might seem like that mindfulness mumbo jumbo out there. Try it for yourself next time you're triggered. Breathe and observe. And there are lots of different other techniques that involve mindfulness. If you want to get a huge amount of brainstorming for what other kinds of techniques can help you calm down and wake up, look up grounding techniques. Grounding techniques can be anything from playing with toys to calling a friend to just going outside for a walk. Breathing is a grounding technique. I'm just talking about the simple grounding technique of mindfulness, which is a skill we can develop. The last tip, the A in BOA, tip number nine is attune. So breathe, observe, attune. When you get triggered, breathe, observe, and then attune. What do I mean by attune? Attune is another way to say connect. Attune is another way to say get in touch. Attune with God. And sometimes, for me especially, attuning with God means attuning with another person who can mediate the presence of God to me. When you get triggered, reach out. Reach out in prayer. Reach out to one of your brothers in Christ. Reach out to someone who can attune to you. Meet you where you're at. And you can even attune to yourself. Attune to the boy within you who's showing up when you get triggered. Breathe. And then what do you notice about him? That's observing. And attune to him. Connect with him. Connect with your younger self. And when you do this, that's another way of reinforcing safety. Because as humans, we are biologically wired to think, if I am alone, I am unsafe. As mammals, that's how our social engagement system works. When we are attached, when we are connected in our brains and our bodies, that equals safety. So simply trying to manipulate your circumstances to feel more safe will not prove to your limbic system 
that the perceived threat is gone. When life is chaotic and dangerous, or at least we perceive life to be chaotic and dangerous and unsafe, the best thing we can do is hold on to someone or be held by someone who is safe. And in this regard, I'm reminded of that story in the Bible when the disciples were all in a boat with Jesus and there was a huge storm around them. This was not just a perceived threat. This was a very real threat that their boat could have sunk. It was getting swamped. They said, Jesus, help us, help us. And he calmed the storm. What mattered the most for them was not how bad the storm was and whether or not they could get out of it. The most important question for them was, who is in the boat? Because if Jesus is in the boat and they're attached to Jesus, they are safe. My friend, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what pain triggers or pleasure triggers you're facing, is Jesus with you? Are you attached to him? Are you connected to him? And maybe even more pointedly, are you connected to his body? Are you connected to the body of Christ? Do you have members of that body who can attune with you when you feel triggered? Because when you do, it makes a world of difference. B-O-A. Breathe, observe, and attune. Bonus tip. Celebrate the small victories. This takes practice, guys. There will be times when you get triggered and taking back control is not as easy as I may have made it sound. When you are able to regulate and co-regulate with another person, with God, with yourself, celebrate it. Let us know in the Husband Material Facebook group that you were able to overcome the triggers that have kept you trapped and we will celebrate with you. Thank you so much for listening today. I created a one-page summary of this teaching, about nine tips about triggers, which you can download at the link for this episode. And always remember, my friend, you are God's beloved son, and in you, he's well-placed.